This is a recording from the Engaging the Mind lecture series at the University of Virginia. On March 20, 2008, economists William Shoeb and Terence Rapan of the Weldon Cooper Center presented a talk called Growth, Change, and Community, Economic Development in Central Virginia. They're introduced by Glenn Russ of the Virginia National Bank. I'm Glenn Russ, President and CEO of Virginia National Bank. I'd like to welcome everyone again this evening to a fantastic Engaging the Mind series. We've been uh, sponsoring this event for several years, and we're always pleased to do so. And tonight we have two fine professors. And uh, I normally don't like to read to a crowd, but I want to make sure I get their bios right. So I've prepared something, and I want to make sure I get it right. So if you'll bear with me, let me uh, read some interesting facts about our two professors tonight. First, Professor William Shove, who likes to go by the name of Bill, as I understand it, uh, is the Director of Business and Economic Research at the University of Virginia's Weldon Cooper Center for Public Service. Professor Shove is a faculty member in the Economics Department and Public Policy Programs at the University of Virginia, where he teaches environmental, economic, and policy analysis. Prior to this appointment, Professor Shove was the Associate Director for Economic and Regulatory Analysis with the Virginia Department of Planning and Budget. In 2000, he received a Fulbright Fellowship for work on environmental, economics, and policy in Prague, Czech Republic. Professor Shove has taught at Virginia Tech and Virginia Commonwealth University and the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. He has authored numerous articles, reports, and book chapters. He received a law degree from Lewis and Clark Law School and his PhD in economics from the University of Minnesota. And now, some words about Professor Terence Rapan. He is a regional ec ec economist, sorry about that, at the University of Virginia's Weldon Cooper Center for Public Service. Previous to this appointment, he worked as the Director of Institutional Research at Allegheny College of Maryland and a senior scientist at the Spatial Modeling Center in Corona, Sweden. He also served seven years as a city councilman in Cumberland, Maryland, where he played an active role in economic development and neighborhood revitalization efforts. Professor Rapan earned his BA from Frostburg State University and his master's and doctorate in economics from West Virginia University. He has published papers in a variety of economic, planning, and public policy journals on the subject of regional impact analysis, crime, and education. So we have two very impressive individuals with us tonight. So Virginia National Bank would like to welcome to an Engaging the Mind series everyone, including our two speakers. And with that, the show is yours, gentlemen. Thanks very much, Glenn, uh, and thank you, Althea, for having us. We appreciate the chance to be here. Uh, you know, economists are not used to having people actually volunteer uh, to come and have them talk, so uh, for us it's kind of a special occasion. Um, generally, we have a captive audience uh, that we work with, but we'll see what we can do to keep it interesting tonight. Um, I just want to tell you one word about the Weldon Cooper Center, those of you who may not be familiar with it. Uh, the Weldon Cooper Center is uh, an uh, independent institute affiliated with the University of Virginia. Uh, we have a number of uh, little units that have all been brought together, I guess, as a matter of administrative convenience. But the theme for all the little subunits of the Weldon Cooper Center is public service. All the units of the center have as their mission uh, providing either expertise or service to a variety of uh, government and nonprofit agencies around the state of Virginia. 
and um, uh, Terry and I uh, work with the economic and business analysis unit, and our job is to provide economic and business expertise to state and local government, uh, and uh, we also provide some, uh, some work for other agencies. We've done some work recently for uh, New York State on uh, issues having to do with global warming. So uh, we, we try to um, uh, do what we can in the area of uh, using our, our economic analysis for, uh, uh, for public benefit. Uh, today, we'd like to talk to you about um, uh, economic development in the Charlottesville metropolitan area. Uh, Charlottesville, Albemarle County, Greene, Fluvanna, and Nelson County. Um, the, it's uh, an area that's uh, uh, it's a statistical unit in the eyes of uh, a number of federal agencies, and so a lot of the data for uh, on economics and uh, demographics for this area are all uh, developed together. And it's seen as a unit because there's a lot of commuting uh, in between the different, uh, the different units. There's a lot of business activity that crosses the boundaries of the county. And so uh, we'll talk today about, uh, about the, uh, um, the Charlottesville MSA. Um, all right, first of all, um, we're going to start. Uh, I want to talk about those little, uh, those little clickers you have in your hand. Uh, this is an experiment. Uh, what we want to do is we want to um, get some feedback from you. And we're going to start by asking you a little something about yourself. So, we can, uh, uh, so you can tell each other a little something about yourself. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, uh, we have uh, the first question for you is, uh, where do you live? And I'm going to go ahead and start the polling. And now what you do is you press the little button on the clicker that um, uh, is next to the best answer. You have to pick the best answer here because they're all multiple choice. Um, so everyone should press uh, the appropriate answer. Now, if you feel like you press the wrong button at first, it doesn't give you a lot of feedback, just press it again. The system will take the last answer you give. So is that your final answer? All right. Well, let's see. Okay. Uh, well, we see that as we uh, as we expected, um, we're very heavily clustered in Albemarle County and Charlottesville. Uh, you see, 45%. But we do have uh, we do have a few um, a few others. We have three from um, from Fluvanna, and then six in the other category. Um, I live in Richmond, so if I had had a clicker, I would have had to press the other category uh, myself. Uh, all right, so let's, let's move on. Um, we're interested in knowing this because we're going to ask you some questions about your perceptions about the Charlottesville area in a little, a little farther on in our presentation. So what we want to know now is uh, we want some sense of how long you've lived in the area. So why don't you go ahead and enter, uh, enter your answer. We have number one, less than one year, one to two years, three to five, five to 10, 11 to 19, 20 or more, but not all my life, uh, and then uh, the native for uh, Category 7. All right, let's go ahead and see what your answers are. All right, um, 
we have uh, uh, we have a group that have uh, a significant group that have lived here um, uh, all their lives, uh, but a lot of people who've lived here for 20 years or more. Uh, that's great. As it turns out, it's very there's a very interesting pattern to people's perceptions about the place they live. There's a tendency for people who have lived in a place longer to like the place they live better. Now, partly that's a, a, a matter of selection, right? If you hate it here, you're going to move someplace else, and if you like it, you're going to stay. So as people have lived here longer, you tend to have higher rates of I like it here responses. So it's important to know, it's important to know these things before we start, um, before we start um, asking you uh, other things. All right, now, how do you rate this area as a place to live? Now, one is worst and 10 is best. We have to do it that way because um, we want to uh, we want to measure you against um, against a um, uh, another measure of satisfaction. So go ahead and enter um, one through 10. Let's see. Let's see. We have uh, 38 responses. Anybody else? All right. So, wow. Um, uh, you guys are very positive about the place you live. Uh, looks to me like the average is probably um, well up above um, eight and a half, close to pretty close to nine. Uh, that's um, a pretty uh, pretty positive evaluation. All right. Now, finally, one last question before we get started with some facts about Charlottesville. Uh, how would you rate the area compared to five years ago? Uh, about the same. Better or worse? Everybody giving me re the response they want? So um, most everybody, the, the largest group say it's about the same. Uh, and this is, again, a pretty positive crowd, a uh, pretty positive crowd. Uh, the things are either the same or better than they were for, uh, for the large majority of folks in the room. Uh, that's good to hear. Uh, that should be music to the ears of... Uh, of uh, folks in the community here. All right, now uh, I'm going to I'm going to stop with the questions now. We're going to stop getting your feedback. We'll ask you for a little more later on, and I'm going to get Terry to come up and and um, give an overview of the the area economy, how it's been changing over time, and some of the issues that are important to people when they think about quality of life in their area. One of the things that provoked our interest in the subject that we're talking about here today was an article and its quality of life. And they interviewed a number of uh, city, county officials, local activists, and asked them, well, how do you feel uh, about being one of the top-rated metro areas in the nation, according, according to this first Sperling City Best-Rated uh, publication? And you got uh, sort of a mixed response. Uh, Chamber of Commerce said it's great, I believe. Um, the uh, zero population Albemarle zero growth advocate said, uh, well, it's terrible. Um, we prefer to be an unknown commodity here. We know we have a great quality of life, but uh, if everyone discovers us, there's a lot of people here which could erode our quality of life. Um, so we've sort of are beginning to frame the issue in terms of you know asking you what you think of it, and we're interested in comparing uh, different communities and demographics how they perceive it. Bill has mentioned you live here a long time. There's a pattern. 
that you like the place more. And we also expect that there are differences within the region itself. In fact, you find that with some data that uh, is collected by the Weldon Cooper Center, and that's going to be my next slide here. You'll see uh, a series of uh, lines here, and this is time series data collected from four different localities in Virginia. Um, the first one to participate in the survey was actually Charlottesville, and it goes all the way back into the 1980s. Well, I'm not showing you that point here, but I'm showing beginning in 93, um, you see Charlottesville, this dotted yellow line. Above it is Albemarle County. Uh, below it is Prince William, Spotsylvania. Prince William has been surveying their public every year for approximately the last 15, 16 years. Now, what do you see in this graph? First of all, you see Albemarle and Charlottesville are higher than those other two counties. We also see that Albemarle is above Charlottesville, and it's fairly flat. There's been very little uh, difference in citizens' perceptions of the quality of life in the county. If you look at Charlottesville, however, it ebbs between 2000 and 2006. So there are these differences based on demographics, based on where you live, and they're probably related to real tangible things. Now, I mentioned the, uh, the publication, The Cities Ranked and Rated by Sperling and Associates, that uh, placed Charlottesville really on the map for a lot of people, rated them number one. They looked at a variety of different features that characterize quality of life. Did again in 2007, and Charlottesville dropped to number 17. Uh, one of the reasons that was cited for that drop were, were the rising housing costs and, and the lack of affordability in housing. Uh, some of the characteristics or factors that they looked at in compiling this data is a weighted index of these various features, population, economy, and jobs, and also healthcare, arts and culture, um, the environment, and so forth. I'm going to focus on just a couple of different features here, and they're going to be uh, somewhat slanted toward areas where we collect data, um, and that's a lot of economic, demographic data. I'm um, also going to look at, at crime trends in the region. What you'll find at the conclusion of this is a pretty mixed picture. Um, obviously, economically, the area is growing. Um, also, the population is growing. Um, but there are a couple of trouble spots there that, uh, that obviously showed up in the comparison between 2000 and 2007 and could show up more prominently in the future. Uh, as a community, it's important to know these things and uh, to adjust public policies as need be to remedy it. First look at population. Um, the area has been growing. It's been growing at a pace that's uh, faster uh, going back to 1969 than the nation and the state at large. If you look back, though, uh, growth is, I mean, it's been happening for a long time. It's at the beginning that we had begin tracking this data series that was going up uh, five, six percentage points in the early years. Does anyone want to offer a hypothesis of why that might have happened? Female university admission restrictions lifted, and it resulted in, for several years, a huge growth. And they finally caught up with the men, and I think now exceed the men at the university. So that drove a lot of the early population growth. 
One of the things you notice in the area, though, also is there's a lot of difference in the growth rates in the region. Uh, actually, Charlottesville and Albemarle have grown a lot less than the outlying counties. Uh, however, that doesn't include Nelson County, even though they've received investment in the form of a tourist resort there, um, which is now just about built out. Uh, they've grown relatively little in comparison. One of the theories offered in the article of governing uh, was that uh, there was some sort of announcement effect from this quality of life index being published and showing Charlottesville number one, that we had this huge in-migration of folks. Well, if you look at the demographics of migration in the area, um, there's actually a lot of international migration into the area. And if you look back at 2000, it's more international than it is um, national migration. The other thing you notice is um, uh, estimates, population estimates, actually show migration indeed bumping up in 2005-2006 from, from lower levels. However, so does employment growth during the same period. So is this a question, is, is this really amenity migrants surging into the area, or is it job growth that's spurring the folks to move into the area? Well, it's very difficult to disentangle those effects with just these two data series, but I suspect it has a lot more to do with the job growth. Yes, ma'am. Um, those are actually estimates by the U.S. Census Bureau, and they base them on a lot of different things. They base them on income tax records, they're based on housing permits, and they use it in a way that uh, you know, historically it's proven to be a, a pretty good way to estimate population, local area population. Yes, the, the, the internal migration numbers coincide very closely with uh, IRS records. They have their own data series where they track migration households. So that's uh, more reliable than the other one that I showed you, the international migration. I just thought it's more of an extrapolation because we don't have any reliable administrative records on, on those. So um, I, I wouldn't focus on the international figure, but more on the uh, internal national. Okay, um, why is the area uh, growing? What are the reasons? Well, lots of human capital. And namely the presence of the university, which a World and Super Center publication showed is the main ex economic engine in the region, accounting for probably about 30% of uh, the output of the value added in the region. So that's about one out of every three jobs. Um, why do firms find the place so attractive? Because you have so many skilled workers, or the availability of skilled workers here. There aren't too many other places in the state um, that have those levels. Uh, you see down here in Virginia Tech land, you see in Northern Virginia in the Richmond metro area, and a little bit down in Hampton Roads. So those are your growth areas in the state. Uh, the other thing that you have here, and primarily because you do have an educated public, you also have uh, the presence of a lot of creative people. Richard Florida wrote a book called The Creative Class that I'm sure you're all familiar with that said that uh, areas that are more tolerant toward diversity, have artist communities, um, tend to attract creative, intellectual, professional types. 
that uh, create a certain ambience where um, high-value added firms want to move, and so they tend to grow. <laughs> one of the things that sort of offended one of my colleagues, uh, an economist at the Wellness Super Center, is that on the creative class index, we're on the lower end down there with accountants. So <laughs> um, now, what has been happening in, in the, the economy? Well, if you look at uh, rates of change over time, Syria um, has been succeeding generally, uh, both the, the state and the nation. And another thing that you notice in looking at those series is that Charlottesville is a smoother, it's a little bit smoother of a less jagged edges on the growth path there. Okay, it does follow the downturns and the upturns in the national economy but with fewer of the rough edges. And what takes off the rough edges? Well, a steady infusion of, uh, of government money and the presence of the university, which has a very stabilizing uh, effect on the, the local economy. Um, you can compute an objective measure of the stability of, of a local economy, and I've done it here, and if you look at all the metro areas in the state, actually, Charlottesville is the most stable it tends to depart from a trend line of growth less than these other areas in the state that are more reliant on manufacturing jobs. Unemployment, um, full unemployment, even during national downturns here, um, well below the U.S. average and uh, a bit below the Virginia average, and consistently over that uh, 15, 20 year time period. If you look at any area in the country, you're going to find that there are industries that are declining and there are industries that are increasing. And what you hope to do is replace lower wage industries that are declining with higher wage industries that are growing. And if you look at Charlottesville MSA here, that's exactly what's happening. So it's much more growth and decline. Um, the big driver, what does this graph show? Well, by the size of the bubble, it shows the size of the sector. So it means there's more employment in that particular sector. If it's to the right here, it's growing in magnitude, greater magnitude. If it's higher up, it's a higher wage industry. So that's not to say that you aren't losing a few jobs in a few industries that are high paying but it's more than offset by the growing industry. Now, let's just, um, I come from West Virginia, and uh, the, probably the closest thing in the state of, uh, of uh, Virginia to West Virginia in terms of the metro area is the Roanoke MSA here. And you see quite a different pattern here. Now, Roanoke is not losing population. It's, it's, it's by West Virginia standards, a booming, a boom town. But what you see is quite a different gradient here. You see it planning the other way. Um, so there is a lot of job destruction in high wage industries, and it's not really being completely offset with growth in uh, similar service sector high wage industry. 
A big circle means big sector. High means high paying. Across uh, this way means growing, but across on that in that quadrant means shrinking. Got it. Uh, so the red the red bubble up here, it, those are relatively high paying jobs. It's high up. It's a relatively large part of the economy, and it is on the negative growth side of the graph. And that's that's a bad that's the bad news part of the story. And you can you have to. I don't know why. That's um, and you see that that sector, the contraction of that sector, it's going to take a lot of growth in these other sectors to make up for what's being lost there. The big blue is government. The one next to it, the pink one, is professional and technical. Right below it's real estate. Okay, and this is over the period 2000 to 2005 before the real estate bust. So I wouldn't expect to see that same pattern today. The, the yellow one below the green is construction. The one above it is health care. And down here are mainly service like retail and uh, accommodation, food services. You also have education. Um, what's being destroyed? Information, media, newspaper, television, radio. Um, finance, insurance a little bit, and of course farm. Might have been helpful if those were in white rather than black. Apologize for that. Everyone had a chance to scrutinize that figure there. Yes, ma'am. Uh, metropolitan statistical area, and that was the uh, the census unit that Bill introduced at the beginning. Okay, next next slide. What does this all translate into in terms of a sort of uh, basic measure of regional well-being? Well, per, per capita income is what what often used. And um, what this graph shows is yellow and Virginia doing very well relative to the national average and Charlottesville MSA doing well to the national average but below the Virginia average. Why might that be? Because if you look within the region there's a lot of heterogeneity. Albemarle County plus Charlottesville City um, at or above the Virginia average. You add in the rural counties on the periphery, they actually have not made much progress since the mid 1990s. They've been pretty stationary if you add them all up. Now you do see Nelson bolting out of the pack a little bit there recently, um, probably because of the resorts there. Um, and then you see some like uh, Havana falling off there. I'm not sure, I haven't been here long enough to really know all, all the stories behind these dy dynamics here. Poverty rate, you look at uh, recent statistics and it's um, starting to head up a little bit. Though it is considerably below the U.S. average. Index of income concentration, well that has been heading, heading up. So there's uh, more income uh, inequality in the area, but that's also a characteristic of Virginia. What makes poverty a bit of a double whammy in this region, however, is that the cost of living is considerably higher than the U.S. average. If you look at uh, other MSAs in the state, um, 
And I don't really, even though Washington, D.C. metro contains part of northern Virginia, I don't, I'm not really counting that as part of Virginia. That's more of a uh, Washington environment creature. Um, higher than Virginia Beach, Richmond, Harrisonburg, Stanton, Winsboro, and Roanoke. In fact, if you look at the whole U.S. south, south of the Potomac River, Ohio River, there are only two MSAs that, according to this ACRA index, have a higher cost of living, and that's Miami and Fort Lauderdale. Um, I guess our first, our first intuition would be that it's all housing market, because we know housing is expensive locally, and indeed this index shows that it is. It's, uh, I don't have the numbers there, but it's about 136 on the scale. But it's not only that, it's some of these other component commodities like groceries and um, miscellaneous goods and services and healthcare just a little bit. Let's look a little bit closer at that housing component because that's a big part of that cost index. It's about 30, 35% of it. If you look at the U.S., you go back to the 85, 1985, you start tracking from a base of 100, standardizing all of these with respect to their uh, price indices. In 1985, you see, really, they didn't start diverging here until about 2001, 2002, uh, after 9-11 and the Fed started taking those interest rates way, 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 way down. Um, sort of the surprising thing is that uh, Charlottesville is even above the state of Virginia there. If you look and track housing price changes from quarter to quarter over time, um, you see that Charlottesville is, well, you know, wiggly line there, but if you look recently in the last year or so, um, according to this, which tracks resale of existing family homes that were financed with uh, conventional mortgages uh, that were go through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. Um, they show up until the last quarter of last year the prices are still appreciating a bit locally, though they're tanking elsewhere in the country and the state. What does that mean in terms of uh, housing affordability? I think everyone recognizes that there is a housing affordability issue locally. Um, it exists with uh, respect to people that are looking for um, single-family homes, but it is especially pronounced for those that are looking for uh, you know, to rent. And what these bar graphs show, however, is that it's not really a metro, Charlottesville metro area problem alone. It's really a state problem, and it's also a national problem. And though it's uh, decreased, the problem decreased a little bit for both renters and homeowners in the area, it's still high. Um, compared to historical standards. So what's been happening on the construction end? You know, we have these high prices that are enticing a lot of construction activity. Well, it did until fairly recently. And what we see is a precipitous decline here over the last year, year and a half. Uh, also in terms of total um, sold. If you look at you know the past history and you track using the same sort of index relative to 1995-96, um, 
you see the nation really had a huge bubble in housing construction there. That's the blue line. And it's sort of surprising to see that Virginia and Charlottesville didn't participate in the same degree that the rest of the country did. And that's because it doesn't have a Florida or a California um, joining it at, at the hip like, like the, the country at large does. Um, one component that we don't hear a whole lot about is crime, but there is also a bit of a, a trend um, evolving here where actually we're starting to buck the uh, trends that are occurring in the nation and the state. Uh, beginning in about 2003, uh, the crime rate in the MSA has started to go up again. Uh, why is that? Well, it's primarily property crime. Violent crime has actually decreased a little bit. And uh, a large part of property crime is larceny theft. And that's the big green region that you see there. Uh, spatially, regionally, um, people think it's a, it's a Charlottesville problem. It isn't. It's just a Charlottesville problem. Actually, the fastest growth in the crime rate over this period um, was in Greene County, which uh, the crime rate basically tripled over this, this period, and it was both violent and, and property crime. Um, UVA, a relatively small percentage increase. Uh, Charlottesville, um, though it has lots of crimes, it didn't, it's sort of in the middle there. Okay, so that is sort of a perspective for, from a sort of a, a data grubbing guy like myself who just moved to the community six, six months ago and, and found some interesting facets to the local quality of life, some things that are going up and some things that are going down. And we didn't want to present them to you before you did your quality of life assessment because we didn't want to contaminate your responses in any way. Um, but we could very well ask those questions again, how you feel about it, and see if, if they changed any. But how do, you, how do you change these things? Obviously, being engaged with the citizenry and asking them what they want and how they perceive things, the quality of services, infrastructure, um, the quality of communication is important. And Bill is, is going to take this a little bit further and explore um, what you think of the areas facets and features, um, uh, given that presentation. So what we, you'll need to get your clickers back out now, because we're going to go through a little decision-making exercise here. Uh, we're going to get you to uh, give us uh, your assessments about um, uh, uh, Directions for public policy towards uh, towards some of these issues we've talked about today. Uh, now, uh, in the the choices we give you in this particular slide, uh, it's considering local government services on one hand and taxes on the other. We are economists after all. Um, which statement of the following do you prefer? Now, I want you to notice that there is not an option for more services for less money. If you think you know how to do that, please, please run for office. Um, I am not a strong believer that there's enormous amounts of waste in the public sector. I've worked in the public sector. 
government will always involve inefficiency. The reason it will is because we turn over to government things that can't easily be handled by market. We don't have a good mechanism for allocating certain social um, uh, choices over to private entities to resolve for us. So we hire this big firm that we call government, and we give it this really rough and ready mechanism for uh, responsibility. That is, we have elections every two or four or six years, and, and the elections are about all kinds of different things all at once. And so we try to use that rough and ready mechanism to transmit our, our preferences to government about what we want. And then, of course, because we turned all the hard things over to government, we see government not doing a perfect job at solving all these problems, which shouldn't surprise any of us, um, since the hard problems are the ones we're choosing to turn over to government in the first place. So we're going to make some choices. Yeah, before we make our choices, we have a question. It was uh, primarily state government, that's primarily university. Yeah, that's, that's all subsumed in the University of Virginia, so as enrollment has increased, and, and I, I wish I had the graph here. We recently did a review of the economic impact of the university on the, on the uh, regional economy, and it's, it's really interesting to see where the growth of the university has come from. The, the state contribution to the university has been, been going down in real terms, in inflation-adjusted dollars for, well, I've forgotten the graph, but it's 20 years at least, longer, I think. But the, the state contribution to the university's budget has gone way down and is now something on the order of 13% of its operating budget, uh, way down, way below what it is in, say, neighboring state like North Carolina. Um, much of that increase has come from increased grant earning activity at the university. The university's um, participation in private and federal grant-based research has skyrocketed in the last decade and is responsible for a very substantial fraction of that growth. And it is a government agency, but uh, it's sort of a uniquely entrepreneurial when universities are, uh, have a fair amount of autonomy and, uh, and have to, by their nature, be quite entrepreneurial. So, it's, uh, it, you know, as a government agency, it does um, it, it behave in many ways like a firm. Uh, but that's the answer. So, uh, let me, um, uh, again, what I was, uh, the one choice you don't have is to get more for less. Now, we're always hoping we can do that to some extent, but I want you to make hard choices today. Today we're going to make hard choices. You get to decrease, decrease services and taxes, that's choice one, keep taxes and services about where they are, or increase services and taxes. Uh, so let's, uh, let's see what you think. This is all anonymous. I'm not keeping any of this information. I don't know your names. I'm not going to hold you to it. Some people having trouble making up their minds here. Everybody done? 
Let's see what. Now, this is not um, uh, this is not exactly a random cross section of the community, of course. Um, so uh, we don't want to uh, take this seriously as a uh, as a polling result on a random sample. But let's see what uh, just this group thinks. You know, before I asked you this question, I was thinking. You know, when we asked the questions early on, this group is, is by and large happy with the way things are going here. And I'm not at all surprised to see this result. Here's a group that believes we have about the right uh, balance, by and large, um, although there are um, a few people who uh, believe we ought to be um, pursuing more efforts with our government or less, but uh, by and large, people seem happy with um, the priorities of the government. Now, let's go through some particular issues, and I'm going to run through a bunch of issues, but I'm going to warn you, I'm going to add the budget up. I'm going to go through these separate issues, and you're going to tell me whether you think, whether you're reasonably satisfied with what your government is doing for you, or whether you're dissatisfied. Now, unfortunately, that's a little bit ambiguous because by being dissatisfied, you might want them doing less, of course, uh, or you might want them doing more. So this doesn't tell us everything we need to know. But <clears throat> if you're going to ask government to do a lot more, we're going to start uh, get a little pad here. We're going to start adding up the tax bill. I mean, you've been hearing what's going on in Richmond right now. You know, we can't even, the entire transportation budget of the state of Virginia is about, in a few years, to be eaten up just filling potholes and fixing bridges. Right? So we're only a few years from that point. And uh, so there's very little left over for new construction. And there are certain regions of the state that are suffering quite a lot from that. Uh, and yet, we're having a lot of trouble figuring out um, how to resolve that issue. Uh, partly it's a regional thing, partly uh, it's, it's uh, an issue of how much we think we can get out of government for the money we're, we're spending. So anyway, let's try this one. How satisfied are you with your local government's efforts to protect natural resources and the environment? Um, I, wanna, I want you to think more about local things than global things, although I think it is true that Charlottesville has um, uh, expressed some sentiment toward helping solve uh, the problem of global warming or climate change. Uh, not something we can do that much about, but it's a nice sentiment. Um, so why don't you tell me uh, whether you're satisfied, somewhat satisfied, somewhat dissatisfied, or very dissatisfied with what um, your regional governments are doing to protect natural resources. We're going to go through some of the other critical areas that Terry talked about. All right, everybody have their answers in. Let's go ahead and see what your thoughts are. So essentially, um, you know, uh, uh, we, th these are not the people who are writing all these testy letters to the newspapers. Um, this, is, uh, this is an audience, maybe you all are engaged in the decision-making um, and, uh, uh, and, and then hence feel more control and more responsibility 
so we have a very um, almost half of the people in the room, uh, uh, or at least, uh, in fact, more than half are at least somewhat satisfied uh, with um, protection of natural resources. Um, let's go on to providing quality education to school children. And this is a, this is a case where I wish I could uh, uh, go back and figure out which ones of you for, were from which areas, because I know in the Richmond area, you get very different answers from people in different counties and the city of Richmond um, on a question like this. So let me go ahead and start the polling. So you can go ahead and enter your response. Very satisfied is one, uh, somewhat, somewhat dissatisfied, and then very dissatisfied is four. Ooh, we got more responses on this one. Uh, this is this is great. This is this one is um, um, one that's uh, really important to people. So let's see. Um, well, I I don't know. We've got to find some controversy somewhere here. Um, so uh, by and large, people are very satisfied. Now, you know, I guess. Uh, you know, I could be surprised at this, but given the early responses we got um, from this audience uh, that people are, they like the region, they're satisfied with the region, a lot of you have lived here a long time, um, I, guess, I guess it doesn't seem so surprising after all. Uh, now, um, how about um, is your government doing enough to assure economic growth and job opportunities? See what your responses are. So this is economic growth and job opportunities. Um, I don't expect um, the whole city council to get thrown out in the next election. Uh, given results like this, they seem to be responding well to their constituency's desires. Uh, how about an ensure safety at or near your place of residence? We only have a couple more of these, but these are obviously, okay, polling is open. Um, ensuring safety at or near your residence. Another one is a high response rate. Ooh, I think this may be the most responses we've gotten so far on a question. Let's see what your thoughts are. Uh, a little less dramatic, um, but um, you notice that 88% um, uh, of the people in this audience are uh, somewhat or very satisfied with public safety um, protection in um, uh, in the area where they live. Um, given the recent uptick in crime, I find that a slightly surprising result. Just, that's just me. Uh, okay, this I think this is the last one. Um, uh, provide needed infra infrastructure. Now, um, if I were to ask this question uh, in Northern Virginia, I, I I'm pretty sure I know what the answer would be. Uh, infrastructure, of course, roads, sewers, uh, these are coming in pretty fast, good, let's see. Um, oh, interesting. Now, uh, so far, I think this one has the most negative responses of any, uh, a lot of potholes out there. Huh? Uh, I uh, am a commuter to the Charlottesville area, and uh, so 
don't face this problem, but we have our own issues in this one, of course. Oh, oh, there's one last one, I'm sorry. Uh, affordable places to live. Of course, we have to talk about housing affordability. This, by the way, is one of the fastest growing um, elements in the Charlottesville budget uh, in percentage terms. Uh, uh, trying to do something about housing affordability. Let me turn the poll on and see what you think about this. Let's see how you feel. Uh, oh. Oh. Well, now, this is very interesting. So uh, this is not your problem, probably. Um, this is uh, people thinking about uh, diversity in their community. Um, in Richmond, the way this is talked about politically is, can our policemen and our teachers live here? Uh, that's the way the discussion uh, is playing out in Richmond. And, and uh, so when, when people talk about the issue of affordable housing, um, uh, I, I think we have um, uh, a new policy program at UVA, and, and uh, one of the um, classes we have, uh, teams of students take on clients and they do research projects for uh, different clients out there. And one of our teams is actually, uh, their client is the city of Charlottesville, uh, trying to figure out uh, what to do about affordability of housing. And it's a, it's a very tricky and difficult issue to solve. Uh, one of the problems we have with um, um, uh, attempting to solve problems like this is a lot of ways you can try to solve the problem will have an immediate benefit, but that benefit uh, goes away, gets, uh, gets um, uh, uh, the first people to get the benefit get all of it, and then the re uh, later on people don't get any. For example, suppose you build affordable housing in the city of Charlottesville. Well, what happens? You uh, sell it to someone in a low-income group, they buy it, and then someone in a high-income group comes along and says, well, if I bought that house and added a little bit on the back, then that'd be a nice house for me. And so what happens is if you just try to change the capital stock, you may end up not solving your problem at all. To, to ensure the availability of affordable housing, government has to have continuing involvement that ensures um, a set of low prices of, uh, or high affordability for some groups. So it might involve income transfers or um, continuing efforts to keep rent low, um, which is, uh, again, a difficult problem to solve. Oh, finally, uh, I keep saying it's the last one. Uh, but this is, the, this is the last one because it, it really, um, it gets at all the other ones. Um, there's a lot of conversation, certainly I see it in the newspaper, uh, about whether um, growth in the Charlottesville area is harming quality of life. And um, so let's see what you... Think about that. Okay, the poll is open. One last time. Is the government doing enough to manage growth? All right. Let's go ahead and close this off so we can finish up. Ah, a lot of disagreement here. Uh, a lot of disagreement here. In fact, uh, a lot of dissatisfaction uh, with managing growth. Now, we, in our presentation, didn't really show you a lot of pictures of the things that probably matter to people when they're thinking about growth. Um, it's the data on things like, well, how long does it take you to get to the store? How long does it take you to drive across town? Um, 
is the wooded area next to the place you've lived all these years suddenly being turned into something less attractive as a neighbor from your point of view? Um, all these issues are really important to people. Uh, and so, uh, but there is a very substantial community dialogue going on right now on this very issue. Obviously, uh, uh, there's a lot more, a lot more to discuss. Uh, in any event, um, uh, we've, what we've done, tried to do is give you a bit of a snapshot of what's going on in the, uh, in the community around you. And, um, you know, one, uh, one interesting thing I'd love to hear your questions and comments on um, is the last issue where there seems to be the most dissatisfaction is the issue of uh, growth and what it is about um, the quality of life in the Charlottesville area that's, that's made everyone unhappy about growth management in the area because you all love it here. And yet, uh, for some reason, you think that growth in the area is, is at least threatening to undo some of the things that you like about the area. And I think it'd be well worth thinking about uh, what those things are and what you might do about them. So anyway, we'll, we'll leave it there. And I hope there's time for some questions and comments. Thanks a lot. I would just interject, Bill. Um, these questions we didn't uh, invent ourselves. They came from the Center for Research, Survey Research at the Weldon Cooper Center. And one of the purposes of using the same set of questions that they use throughout their surveys in the state is that we can sort of benchmark your responses to, to those um, or compare your, your responses to those benchmarks. And one thing in looking at your responses relative to Albemarle County is that even though the medium voter doesn't want to change anything but uh, maybe the infrastructure and the growth management, uh, you're decidedly, across the board, more negative about everything here. So you're, even though it may only be a minority, it's a more sizable minority than Al Albemarle County, for instance, uh, because about 80% said they were very or somewhat satisfied with uh, efforts to protect the natural resources environment, just to give you an example. And uh, almost 60% uh, we're very mostly satisfied with uh, the efforts to promote the development of a variety of affordable places to live, and so forth and so on. So I don't know if it's a matter of demographics or it's a matter of it's two years later, exceptions are starting to change, but it's sort of an interesting result. 